reading from the King James Version in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and reading verses 12 through 14. Not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend, that for which I also am apprehended of of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. David's here. I just, I'm the sub again. I appreciate Julio and the reading of the scripture and appreciate your attendance here this morning. I'm out of sorts up here. This is not my, uh, my thing, so to speak, but, uh, I uh, feel compelled to talk to the congregation this morning, and uh, whether it's a sermon or not, it's at the end it will be yours to own. So, uh, appreciate your attendance and your being here this morning. This morning's theme is going to be about where are we going as a congregation, and it's kind of a two-part and taking stock in ourselves. I'd like to read that scripture back one more time, because then it would set that in my mind. Philippians three twelve through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as apprehended, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on the theme of that scripture there. It means we we look forward. We try to look to the future. My question is, where are we going and what's our goal? Where are we he- headed as a church? I'm going to go over a little bit of those pass outs that uh, you received this morning right before the uh, announcements. We'll go over those in just a little bit, so let's not concentrate on those. Now, putting this lesson together, I get to my office rather early in the morning, so it gives me time to reflect and get ready for the day. and. Because I had this lesson coming up, I, I took that time for preparation. And I've got a really, really good friend there that uh, he comes by when he's in, in the office area. He works in the field. And somebody I've known for close to 40 years, very good friend. He's a member of a denominational church, and we've had that discussion, and it's ongoing. So I'm not going to count him lost yet. 
But he noticed my Bible open, and he uh, inquired. He said, uh, doing a Bible study? And I told him, I said, well, I've got this uh, lesson coming up for the church. He said, oh, you're preaching? I said, well, I don't know if I'd call it preaching. I said, but I do have a talk I want to give. And he said, remember those five B's a wise man once coined? And I said, five B's? So I was looking through my notes, and I said, I don't have that written down. What are the five B's? And he said, be brief, brother, be brief. So that's where we're at this morning. But where are we going as a church? That's a pretty simple question. Let's put it on a more individual level. Where are you going? Analyzing the words, going means you're in the act of moving. You're either going forward or you're moving backward. Going doesn't mean sitting still. Forward means progress. Progress toward your destination. Progress in achieving a goal. If you're in the process of taking a trip and you're making plans, you have to make plans to, to your destination. Arrangements to be made, things to prepare for. You plan a cruise. There's a lot of stuff to plan for a cruise. The tickets, the passport if you're going out of the country. Most cruises go out of the country. And what determines or has bearing on the plans, your destination. The longer the trip, the more you would have to take. The more money you might have to save up to buy clothes and food. And if you're going to drive, you'd have to make preparations for your car. You know, have the oil changed, the tires checked, check the transmission, the AC, make sure everything's up to good running order because you don't want to break down. You won't, don't want to be hindered in the progress that you're making toward your destination. All those things that take the worry out of a trip, those are physical things to take a physical trip. You're striving to meet a goal. Essentially, isn't that what we're doing here? Christ said in Mark 16, 15, 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he that does not believe will be condemned. That's our command to go, to move, to not be comfortable, do not be happy in the state that we're in. Backward means just that, backing up. But backing up sometimes, it has a negative connotation. But it also can mean backing up to complete a task, finish a project, to see something through to, end, to the end, to re revisit something in order to make progress, to make sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. But not moving gets you nowhere. You become stagnant, motionless. You've heard of the phrase treading water. Not moving, not swimming, just keeping your head above the surface, not try, trying not to drown. Some of y'all know my history a little bit. 
I was raised mostly by my grandparents because my parents separated when I was little. There was three of us. I have an older brother. I had an older brother. He has since passed away. And I have a younger sister. And so we were one of the, uh, the three that were caught in the middle. And so when they divorced, this was back in the late 50s, we were put in a children's home, Bowles Home, for the time being, until they figured out what to do with us. And I hate to use that word, what to do with us. But my grandparents, they were uh, some of the founding members of the Edgefield Church of Christ. And so they decided, we're going to get the kids out. Now that's a tough job in itself because they'd already raised three kids, so they're back raising three more. <coughs> it was a blessing for us not to stay in the home. I didn't like it. I still have bad memories about it. But there we were. And through the good grace of one of the members at the Edgefield Church, they bought us a membership to the Oak Cliff YMCA. Some of you may know where that was or is. It was at Zhang and Tenth, I believe. Large facility. Like I said, this was early 60s. So we would go up there in the summertime and spend our days, or at least I would. I don't, uh, my sister was too young to go, but as soon as it was daybreak, my grandmother would shuttle us out of the house and said, don't come back until the evening. And the early 60s, you could do that. It's a we live in a different time now. So I would walk the mile and a half or whatever it was to the YMCA with just enough change to make a phone call to tell her that I got there safely. And I would spend my days there. It was a huge facility. I had never seen anything that, like that in my life. It had a huge gym, gymnasium. The basement was full, was filled with a huge pool. Uh, craft rooms, uh, places to eat lunch and stuff. It was a good place for a kid to be, to stay there. That's what, when I found out about what they call dog paddling. The pool was 12 feet deep. I'd never seen a pool that big in my life, and then have a, had a diving board. First thing there, I go jump off the diving board and suddenly realize where's the bottom came up to the surface, and, and instinctively, you are built in with the instinct of dog paddling, because I went into that mode. And with dog paddling, you don't move very fast, but you do move at a snail's pace, desperate to reach the edge of the pool. The lifeguard that was in attendance, he saw what was happening, and rather than dive into the pool, he saw I was making progress, so he just stood at the end of the edge of the pool where I was headed, I finally made it there, and I reached out and grabbed the edge, and one of those death grip, white knuckle, you're not getting me off the edge of this pool. I felt two powerful arms reach down, pick me up, put me on the side, told me to go sit. One of those little duck squats, you know, where you're squatted up next to the wall with no relief, but at least I wasn't drowning, and he said, stay there until you realize what you did. See, I didn't, I didn't take into consideration that the pool was 12 feet deep. I just saw a diving board in water, and I'd never been in that particular environment before. So I went for it. But I was trying not to drown with a dog paddle. 
Sometimes that's what we're doing here, too. We're just treading water. You know, Jesus said in Revelations 3.16, So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's a pretty drastic word, vomit. I will spew you. I will spit you out of my mouth. That's our Lord Savior saying that. So that's, that's convicting us if we happen to be lukewarm, if we happen to be stagnant, if we happen to be just treading water. And at times I think that's what we're doing here. Some of you older generation might remember what milk toast is. Anybody remember what milk toast is? Well, being raised by my grandmother, and that is old school rearing. If we'd have a, a good meal on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night rolls around, she's not going to the kitchen. She'd always say, go get you a glass and make you a glass of milk toast. And that's just exactly what that is. Toast a piece of bread, put it in a, piece, in a, in a glass, fill it up with milk, get a spoon, that's your dinner. That's milk toast. Very bland. It was filling. But that's, that's part of what I'm talking about, is being bland. We're not moving forward. And we need to be. I want to talk about us, too. When's the last time we saw this in use, this baptism? Can anybody remember? It's been a long time since we've stirred these waters. You know, when we first came over here almost 10 years ago, and that's a mind-boggling, that is, we've been, almost, we've been here almost 10 years. We came here with a mission. We wanted to be a mainstay Church of Christ in this area. And we, we were so filled with exuberance and enthusiasm that this building was available. And that had been sta- uh, stagnant for a while. I say stagnant. It wasn't in constant use. The Hughes Funeral Home had bought this building. But it wasn't in continual use. And you know when a building sets, it starts to decay. Things need to be done. There needs to be a little TLC. I always called it a little lipstick and rouge to dress up the place. So when we came over here, everybody was filled with excitement because finally we had a place we could call our own and we could worship in spirit and in truth without being lorded over. So to speak, that's what was happening before. So what happened when we came over here, those that remember? There was a flurry of activity to get this building ready. Painting, there was carpet to put down. There were a lot of things to catch up on in this building to make it habitable again so we could call it a church building. You know, disregard the name on the front of the building. This was our church, okay? This was our place to meet. And to some of us, it felt like coming back home again. But what happened? After we got here, after the excitement wore off, you know, back then you couldn't find enough jobs for the people that were available. Everybody was willing to pitch in and do more than their share to get this place ready. Bible teachers, people asking, can I read a scripture? Can I serve on the table? Can I lead a prayer? 
people that hadn't done that in years were getting back in the mainstay of, of what the service is all about, too. But in a very short time, we decided we need elders. We need to appoint elders. So we went through the process and we appointed elders. Then we decided mm, we need deacons. We've got a lot of work here to do. We need deacons. We appointed deacons. And then what happened? Everybody got comfortable. Everybody said, oh, we've got people in place now to do the work that I guess if they need some help, they'll ask. But as long as I show up every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday, every meeting that we have, I'm doing my, my duty, so to speak. But that's not the case. We're not pressing on to the goal. We're not reaching out, reaching out to a society that needs us. You know, we've got first two Saturdays every month, there's a group that meets to go door knocking. And they've been doing that for the ten, almost 10 years we've been here. So they do that religiously every month. And they've canvassed this almost the entire populace of Cedar Hill at least once. Okay? But what are we doing besides that? It takes this whole church. Sometimes door knocking may not be your thing. But that doesn't mean you don't do anything. We've got to step up to the plate, so to speak. We've got to press on to the go. Being progressive, I'm not talking about being a progressive church here, okay? By no means. We've seen that created in the brotherhood, and uh, it's sad to see churches go that way. What with praise teams and choral groups and going to two different services to appeal to a broader audience, a broader group of people, adding musical instruments. We've all heard that in the brotherhood, doing that. So as far as I'm concerned, those congregations are out of the brotherhood because they're going a different direction than where we're going, where we're supposed to be going. Broader means wide, right? Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate, for broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Many enter through it. We don't want to be the many. Those churches are all about quantity of people and not quality of service. With them, it's all about what entertains the masses, what pe puts people in the pews. Interpretation of the gospel is subject to change, given what's popular at the moment. That's how they see progress. But we know God's word never changes, and that's the important thing. And that's the comforting thought of having a loving father. Psalms 136 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Steadfast is not a word we use very often, is it? 
but it essentially means not changing or moving, firm in purpose, true, loyal. Never changing. Based on limitations, the third chapter, when something never changes, it's something you can count on. It'll always be there, never moves, never develops into something, never morphs into something than other than what it is. Solid, steadfast, like a will. When someone dies and is left a will, when they execute the will of the deceased, can they or do they alter it to please the heirs, which are us? They don't do that, do they? They can't. Legally, they cannot change a will. What would be the purpose of the will if they did that? The will of Christ is not subjected to be changed. It is God's will, not man's will, and not subject to his whims and fancies. Now, getting back to the meter of the matter. Shortly, we're going to be hit with a very huge challenge. And I know a lot of you are tired about hearing about this. And for the, for, for the most part, our enthusiasm has worn off about a new building. Okay? And I understand that. This has been a very time-consuming consuming process. So you have to bear with us here. We've, we've gone this far. We need to go just a little bit further. There's been a master plan developed for this part of the downtown area, okay? I haven't seen it. I know it's there. Our property is going to be a very big, important piece of that puzzle because it's so huge. I've got a beautiful four-year-old grandbaby, daughter, hard to talk about her without. Anyway, she loves puzzles. She's pretty good at puzzles. She can put a puzzle together like you have never seen. And, and those that are, and she's four years old, so, and she's, she can do a 10-year-old puzzle. She's amazing, but she knows when a piece doesn't belong. If another part of a uh, set gets mixed up with hers, the one she's doing, she knows, hey, this doesn't go in there. And that's what our property is. It's part of a very big piece of puzzle. We've been diligent in waiting, long-suffering pretty much, for the city to get their stuff together, and it is in place now. We're waiting for an election to be held. That election has been held. City council is solvent. So they're ready to move forward, and we are ready for them to move forward. And we're going to push as much as we possibly can. Up to this point, it's been a waiting game because of that election. There were factions involved that didn't want to proceed in that regard, but it's going to be our, our church and our property is going to be a crowning jewel in the development of, that, of this downtown area. So it's going to be good that we waited. That being said, histo historically, when new churches are built, they draw in new people. New buildings always do, especially new churches. 
we need to be ready for that influx of people. And I'm not talking about people changing memberships from different congregations. That's not growing the kingdom. That's just changing places and pews. I'm talking about going out and pursuing those that are looking for answers and that we have the answers to those questions. So it's, it's going to be up to us as a congregation to get more involved in what we're doing now. And a perfect vehicle for that is our Fishers of Men class that's going to start in August. I believe it's August, isn't it? There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. If you haven't signed up for that, you need to consider dedicating those 12 weeks to that course. I've taken it before. My wife and I, several of you have too also. That will teach you how to be comfortable about relating God's word to those that don't know it. Christianity is such a personal part of us. We can talk about fishing trips. We can talk about just about anything. But when it comes to talking about our salvation, it is such a personal subject that people get offended real quick. And that's a shame. Because if we're talking the truth and they're interested in the truth, that's a common denominator, isn't it? Should be. But that Fishers of Men course will teach you how to be comfortable talking to those that don't know God, that don't know Christ. And so I, w- I want you to really consider taking that course. Age limit doesn't matter. I've often heard you don't get to retire as a Christian. Our retirement is when we go to our reward. We've had several of the, in our auditorium, or in our, in our group that have done that here lately. They have, they're not going to be able to see that building. But their spirit is here living still with us. I firmly believe that. Every time I look over on this side over here, I see George Shipley sitting beside Bertie. Every time. Gene and Joyce Beavers are back in the back. Gene is taking count right now. There's a lot. Jim Daniel, I miss him dearly. But we can't let stuff like that hinder us from not proceeding and doing what we need to do. We don't get to, we don't get to retire. There's something everybody can do. And that challenge is going to hit us when we move to that new building. Making progress. The physical part of the building is going to be taken care of. Norman is going to go over that later, at a later date. He'll have all the, uh, the statistics, all the information. We do have a set of prints. Everybody's seen that. It's a beautiful building. Can't wait for it to break ground, and it's coming. But we need to get busy. There are jobs to do here now. If you're not busy... You need to find out how. Linda Hand, reach out, offer. We need to be busy. We need to be about our Father's business. And nobody gets to say, I've done enough. We could never do enough.
Now you've got uh, the handouts. We had a uh, men's business meeting yesterday, and this was, this was uh, distributed amongst, amongst the men. And it's our plan of vision, our mission, so to speak, for the next year. I think these are very attainable goals. These are very reachable, but we need everybody's participation. We can have all the programs in the world, but if we don't have people to man those programs, they just fall by the wayside. Nothing gets fulfilled. No lives get touched. Nobody gets saved. These waters remain still. I'd like to see white caps in this baptistry. I'd like to see six-foot swells in there with people being baptized. But it's hard to remember the last time we did that, and we're failing in that regard. As Christians, we are doing that. We go out and meet people every day. You know, and I, and I could point fingers, but you know, when I point a finger, I got three pointing back at me. I'm not sure what Mr. Thumb here is doing. He's either a beacon or he's a flag or a rudder, but I got three fingers put, pointing back at me. I'm as guilty as anybody. So this is a wake-up call, so to speak. We need to be busy about our Father's business. We can't dwell on what we did in the past. You know, there's a popular saying in business, it's not what have you done for me, it's what have you done for me lately. So we can't rest on our laurels about, yeah, I taught a Bible class once. I served on the table. I said a prayer. What have you done lately, though? Either self-reexamination about where we need to be. We had a great meeting yesterday. It was challenging. We arrived, and there was no electricity in the building. Everything on the west side of uh, Broad Street was out. And so that, uh, that made for an old-time experience. We just raised the windows. We had a little breeze flowing through there. The rain was still falling. The humidity hadn't risen. So we, for the most part, were comfortable, I guess, as comfortable as you could get. But we came away from there exuberated about what this handout represents. It's just re reaching out to a lost and dying world that we need to be doing on a continual basis. Share Jesus with those at the grocery store, at the, where you go dine, where you eat out. Teaching is, you know, it could be verbal. It can be action, too. By the, your mere attitude, a smile on your face, you know, people walk around with frowns too many times. You know, how come you're smiling? Because I have a Lord and Savior that loves me. I have a Heavenly Father that looks out for me every day. Then that starts a conversation, doesn't it? That gets you your foot in the door. If they're interested, they're going to ask you why. Putting on the full mantle of Christ. That's what this is about. You know, when we hear the word and we believe the word, we repent. That means to turn away from our sinful ways 
and confess before man that Christ is the Son of the living God. We come in contact with the watery grave of baptism. That's where we come in contact with Christ's blood. It's the only place that happens. Only then have we, do we have the hope of eternal life and a home in the afterwhile. Hubert usually says, I love that when he says, in the afterwhile. That's old school. With the chosen. I know this lesson hasn't been about a lot of those things that when we offer the invitation. But if those are kind of on the fence about what they need to do, about being saved, or those that need prayers of the considerations of the congregation here need to come down front, we're ready today. The water's ready today. If there's something keeping you from doing that, we can discuss that too. Whatever your need, if you please stand as we together stand and sing. Lift up your voice, leave with him your care, and begin life anew. Kneel at the cross, leave every care, kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you.